So on the the app that I use on my computer to record um, times like this when it's just me talking into the microphone or or other people too when I record in-person interviews, I don't know if y'all can tell, but most of the time when I interview somebody, uh, it's over Zoom because, you know, it's uh, just works out better that way. You know, we don't have to actually meet up uh, to see each other. Not that I wouldn't mind seeing some of my guests in person. Uh, they might mind seeing me in person, but, you know, it's just more convenient that way. Which is why sometimes there are little uh, hiccups in the audio, you know, the connection is bad. That happened with my interview with um, Al Bradbury here a couple weeks ago. Uh, but anyway, when I'm just recording uh, uh, in person, whether it's me uh, doing the intro like I am right now, or uh, interviewing somebody in person like with uh, Cody Howard a couple weeks back and with a couple of interviews, uh, well, one that is uh, going to be debuting here shortly. On the app that I use to record this, I let it run, you know, for like 10, 15 seconds uh, before I uh, start talking. That way, I've got a little bit of a buffer to work with on at the beginning in case, you know, i got to do something with the sound or whatever in, in, ter- in terms of integrating it with the, uh, the music of the introduction. Uh, I hope you all like that music, by the way. It's it's a really good one, I think. Um, <laughs> so Dr. Silva, who was on the podcast um, towards the beginning of this season, uh, he and I recorded that interview back in April, and I didn't get a chance to, to publish it until uh, towards the start of the summer. But I uh, spoke to... But last year, I was kind of a, a TA for him. Uh, he taught this class, Podcasting and and Politics, and it was a really cool class. And he let me um, just kind of be a a technical advisor. I helped the students record their own podcast segments with uh, my microphone, uh, uh, kind of gave my perspective as somebody who uh, does podcasts. And I uh, uh, got to know those the students in that class, and they're all really good people. (laughs) And he told me that one of the assignments that he uh, gave for homework was for them to listen to a couple of my episodes. And this was back, um, you know, last winter. And, you know, I had put out a few episodes that are more like the ones that I put out now, where it's kind of more refined than I was at the beginning. I'm not as nervous as I was at the beginning. Uh, but most of them listened to my very first episode, which I had uh, uh, just... Uh, my headset on that I had used when my old microphone went out a couple weeks ago. And I was so nervous about how I sounded because, again, I've told you all, I am not wild about how I sound <laughs> over recording. So it makes perfect sense that I would start a podcast. But I uh, was just kind of nervous and wasn't sure if I would know exactly what to say. I was afraid of rambling, which I have done from time to time and probably will do again. Uh, but when they told me that, you know, uh, like one of them said, yeah, I listened to your, your first episode. I said, I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, but I like leaving those older episodes up. You know, it, it gives an idea of how things have changed uh, for me just personally and how I view things. Um, there's been some change there, but also a change in how the podcast sounds. Uh, I think it's changed for the better. Uh, but it, it's it's a good reminder of uh, uh, how progression goes about. But anyway, uh, one, one of the students that I helped in that class said, yeah, man, I love that intro theme. I can tap my foot to it the whole time. (laughs) Uh, Which, by the way, big thanks to Zechariah Hickman, who uh, recorded that song in the Sweet By and By. Always uh, am sure to give him uh, uh, props in the uh, audio, as you guys hear at the end of each episode. Uh, Really thankful to him for putting that out there. Uh, 
I lost my train of thought for a minute and forgot why I brought in that story in the first place, but now I remembered. So this app that I use to record um, audio uh, is sometimes it will you can hit the re- sometimes you can hit the record button and it not be recording, um, and it has a a little elapsed timer. You can see how long. Uh, you've been recording for, and I always like to give that a few seconds to uh, go about before I start actually speaking. Well, I forgot that I'd pressed record, and so uh, I'm glad that I caught myself because uh, you all would have just heard nothing but papers shuffling in the background and stuff. I'm trying to get situated here in my 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 studio, which is just you know my room, uh, but whatever. But you you know how it goes. Anyway. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in again for this, our Sights to See and Places to Be in Appalachia series. I uh, always like to give a bit of context uh, for those who maybe have not listened uh, to other episodes like this, and this is your first time listening uh, to this series. Every Friday I publish, uh, I try to keep it a very comparatively short episode, 10 uh, minutes uh, roughly, of uh, a place that I think is worthwhile to visit. Uh, in Appalachia, uh, all across the region, urban and rural, uh, north, south, central. Uh, we've looked at businesses before. We've looked at landmarks before. We've looked at a lot of state and national parks, which I am just so uh, in love with, as you guys probably know by now. But uh, Dr. Silva actually suggested that I broaden that out to include advocacy groups and groups that are doing work like that in the region. And I uh, I loved the idea, and I am just now getting around to uh, putting that idea into practice. So when I highlight these places, I am meaning it to be that, you know, if you're, like I say, someone who's from Appalachia or not, someone who lives in the region, uh, has moved to the region from somewhere else, or, or who has never been, uh, these are places that might be worthwhile for you to check out, to to take a trip to, you know, go hiking. If it's a business, you can, you know, kind of support them too, a local business. Uh, I always try to make sure that they're they're locally owned and operated businesses um, who, who uh, it would be good to support. But, uh, you know, it's important, I think, to also look at uh, organizations that are doing important work in the region too, you know, especially as... Uh, so many places throughout Appalachia, again, uh, up and down, whether they're urban or rural, uh, are in need of concerned people who want to work together to, you know, make things better in those places that have often been neglected and left to the wayside. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is to, you know, show folks that there are a lot of people in the Appalachian region who are trying to do that kind of work, who are progressive and forward thinking and want to create a kind of environment and a kind of region that is welcoming for everybody, that is healthy for everybody. It is uh, where everybody is able to have a good standard of living like they deserve. So uh, in that spirit, I am kind of changing things up with this episode, and I am highlighting an advocacy group in Appalachia that is doing important work and that you can learn more about. Uh, if you're in the area, you can work with them and can support them if you if you so choose. And so I am uh, excited for this kind of change up. I'm going to try to you know, every week with this kind of episode, I try to highlight a place in a different part of Appalachia. Like I usually will go up and down the the ARC map, which I know there's a lot of debate as to what uh, constitutes Appalachia, whether the map of states that's listed by the Appalachian Regional Commission, the ARC, is a good place to start from. I'm totally open to conversation about how 
uh, you can define what Appalachia is, but I think that's a good starting place, at least for this kind of uh, episode that I'm doing. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I try to highlight a place in a different state of Appalachia, and so I'm going to try to kind of change it up in looking at a different kind of place in Appalachia every week as well. So like the past couple of days, we've done the Appalachian Caverns, a couple of weeks, I'm sorry, the Appalachian Caverns and the Backyard Terrors Dinosaur uh, Park. Those are both in Tennessee. Again, thank you, JD. Uh, those were listener-submitted uh, entries. Again, uh, if you are a listener and you know a place in Appalachia that uh, you would like to see covered on the show, shoot me an email or a message on Twitter or, or Instagram or Facebook, and I'd be glad to consider that. Uh, but I'm going to be looking at an advocacy group in Appalachia this week that, again, is doing important work and that perhaps you can get involved with if you so choose. And so I'm really glad to be kind of changing it up, and I'm looking forward to this kind of uh, episode going forward where I look at a group like this that's doing good work. And I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. So let's get into it. West Virginia Environmental Council is an advocacy group which focuses their efforts on environmental justice in the state of West Virginia. The WVEC works to organize concerned citizens and foster collaboration among other advocacy groups as well uh, as they write on their website, through education, advocacy, and legislative outreach, we work toward influencing policy decisions to preserve and protect West Virginia's environment. Among their accomplishments in 2023 alone, the WVEC helped to pass House Bill 3189 in the state legislature, which provides steps for the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection to conduct follow-up studies and create action plans to address the public health threat of PFAS, or forever chemicals, at their source. Uh, I don't know if you all follow the podcast on Instagram, but you know, every once in a while I'll post a picture of a book that I finished recently uh, that I would recommend to others. And one of the very first books that I recommended on that page was called uh, Exposure, and it was written by a West Virginia attorney named Rob Ballot. And uh, for those of you who may know that name or the name sounds familiar, this book actually inspired the film Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo. And uh, for a very extensive look at what forever chemicals are and how uh, the state of West Virginia and other places throughout the region were adversely impacted by them, be sure to read that book or watch the movie. I'd recommend both of them. They're both very good. And uh, the WVEC did work to make sure that uh, there's an action plan in place in West Virginia to uh, further study the problems caused by these chemicals and uh, address the problems caused by them as well. The WVEC also helped to defeat House Bill 2896. Uh, so in their efforts, they were successful at removing a section from that bill, which would have allowed for uh, West Virginia to store nuclear waste in the state. On their website, you can find other accomplishments of the WVEC and their partner organizations throughout the years. You can also find a list of issues which the council organizes their efforts around, a list of resources, and a calendar of upcoming events. Now, on their website, you can also find links to the uh, WVEC social media profiles and pages and ways that you can contact them as well uh, if you're interested in becoming more involved with them or learning more about them. Uh, I'll be sure to include their website in the show notes for you guys and you can find again those social media profiles but also their email address as well and their mailing address and now more than ever advocating for a healthy environment should not be a partisan issue or a regional issue uh, just like all other people everyone in west virginia deserves that kind of he healthy environment 
and efforts to advocate for the kinds of policies and actions which will help create the kind of environment for everyday people across the state to live a good, healthy life in. And the WVEC does some important work in advocating for those policies in a way that directly involves the people themselves. So if you're interested in learning more about that organization or how you can get involved with them, I hope you check out their website. Well, thank you guys so much for listening again this week. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And thank you as well for all that you do to support the podcast, whether you listen, follow on social media, give an encouraging word, whatever you do and however you do it to support the podcast. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to join us again next time for another episode of Appalachian Firesides. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform that you Listen on, give me your thoughts on what you like, what you would change, how I could do better. Just let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your all's thoughts. If you like that background music that you're listening to, that is a piece called In the Sweet By and By by a great artist named Zachariah Hickman. Be sure to check them out on YouTube. And don't forget to follow the podcast on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on all that's going on. I hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of Appalachian Firesides. But until then, be well, love your neighbor and do good things. Catch you guys next time.